Well, it's so good to be with you guys today. Um, and man, I just can't say it enough. It's just good to worship together, right? I mean, it's just so good to be in the same room and declare who Jesus is. And uh, I, I've missed it. And for those of you guys who are new, um, who've joined us over this wild quarantine phase, welcome home. And uh, for all of you who are online, we love that you are with us as well. Just a fun stat uh, is that as we've started meeting in person, our online viewing has remained flat. So God is continuing to grow our church, even as some of us are gathering in person now. God is still expanding his story and his glory in this city and what we're seeing around the world. And, and it's a good time to love Jesus. Amen. It's a fantastic time to love Jesus. And uh, I can't be more pumped for those of you who are watching this who live up north and you're like, yo, I'm not feeling driving 45 minutes to church. We're coming to you next week. It's going to be so exciting. Um, now, we are going to be meeting at 5 p.m., okay? Now, that's temporary. We're not like, you know, testing. Do we want to do a night service? No, our staff has jokingly been saying that we are in a season of finding the best worst option. And, and so what, what we've done is found the best worst option, which is since we can't meet in the school that we were meeting in uh, because of the COVID craziness, there's a church called Faith for Life, which hosts, we heard that let us do a worship night there a few weeks ago. They are letting us use their church building on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. so that we can have church. So that is amazing. We're so thankful for them. And uh, we can't wait to see all of you uh, who are tuning in from the north there as well. And just before I get started, just a little PSA announcement, just a little reminder, a little refresher from last week. If I say something that you like, if I say something that stirs you, that, 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 maybe, that maybe pricks your, your, little, your little sweetheart, <laughs> right, then I would love to know that you're with me. So, so there are a few ways that you can respond to what God, yeah, I see you. There's a few ways that you can respond uh, to what God is doing in you as I'm declaring the word of God to us. Now, you can say the tried and true, and let's all practice it together just to break off the fear of man because you're not watching golf. This is not golf, okay? So you can say the tried and true. Amen, right? Now, like, if you want to go a little bit more new school, you could be like, yo, start with yo, it makes it newer. You can say, yo, that's a good word, right? You can go, yo, amen. It's like, yo, I agree, right? You could say, preach, then it will get really real, all right? So, so what, what, whatever is stirring in you, like, let, let's just, can we just have a conversation this morning, right? Can we be in this together? Uh, even though we're, you know, we have to sit a little bit socially distanced and limit the amount of people that are here. Those of us who are here, we're going to have a great time. And those of you who are watching online, we want you to join in as well. Okay, got that out of the way. Let's go. Let's get it going. Now, for, uh, for those of you who have been with us, we have finishing, we finished last week a series of talks that we called tone. And the whole reason that we were leaning into what does it mean to be tone setters in the midst of a chaotic world? 
Like, what does it mean for us to be those who set the tone instead of those who are affected by the tone? And throughout that journey, uh, we've been using Galatians 5, verse 22, kind of as the the foundation scripture uh, for that series of talks. And it says this, just for refresher, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, passions, and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And what we found time and time again is that these markers of a life in God, the, these markers that, that kind of shine through us as those who love Jesus and who've been transformed by him line up in almost direct opposition to what Romans 12 calls the patterns of the world. Meaning that the culture that we live in and the culture that we live from are not the same. Can I say that again? The culture that we live in and the culture that we live from are not the same. So the question that we've been asking throughout that series was really birthed out of Romans 12 too. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the question is, are we affecting the culture we're living in or are we being affected by the culture that we're living in? Are we affecting the culture that we're living in or are we being affected by the culture that we are living in? And I want to encourage you to not allow that question to get lost in the chaos of life, but let's all Fight to keep that in front of us because I would say now, maybe more than ever, there's an opportunity for the people of God to lead out in a kingdom way of living. In a kingdom way of living. And, and it's becoming clearer and clearer that the world's way of living seems to be unraveling. It, it seems to be crumbling and our heart throughout the tone series really was just to pause and to look at what is happening in culture and speak to the times to speak to the times that we're facing and allow the Bible to guide us in the storms of the conversations and the things that we're feeling these days. Because there is a way that culture is dealing with what is happening, and the kingdom way looks nothing like that way. Now, our team uh, has really been spending months, if I'm being honest with you, leaning into the heart of God and spending time in prayer and fasting and really seeking heaven for understanding as we are entering into what is historically some of the most divisive weeks, not just in our culture, but also in church. 
and that is the weeks leading up to a presidential election. You got quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are nervous. That's good. I want you to be on your toes. So, and, and, and so we've been leaning into heaven and asking God for the way forward for us as a church. And, and, and really what we felt like God spoke to us was that there are moments in a culture that we need to speak to the times. And that's really what we did with our tone series. We said, this is what's happening, and this is how the Bible calls us to respond in the midst of what's happening. We're speaking to the times. There are moments that we need to speak to the times, and there are moments where we need to speak things that are timeless. And, and, and so where we're going over the next few weeks is actually down. And what I mean by that is we're going to be speaking to the foundational truths that we stand on as Jesus people and the foundation stones that we're building our church on. And we've done our best to grab these foundational truths that hold us and guide us and put them into seven truth statements that we call around here our manifesto and, and, and we call it that because you know what a manifesto means? It means a public declaration of intent. It's like this is who we are. And here are those seven truth statements. Jesus is our message. Amen. Serving is our privilege. Hope is our belief. Honor is our language. Celebration is our soundtrack. Transformation is our byproduct. And generosity is our standard. And really over the next few weeks, we want to drink deep of the words that Jesus gave us in Matthew 7, starting in verse 24, when he said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rain came, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it didn't fall because it had a foundation. It had, found, had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The same rain, the same streams, the same wind showed up, beat against the house, but it fell with a crash. The storm in culture over these next couple of weeks is only going to increase. The divisions that we feel are only going to get wider. The shouting is only going to get Louder, the chaos is only going to get bigger. So the foundation that we're building our life on, the foundation that we are building our lives on must be strong. Not just so that we can weather the storm, but so that we can thrive in the face of the storm. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Let's pray. Jesus, I'm asking that you would come and you would take what we're doing this morning and you would breathe on it. You'd get me out of the way and the truth that's on your heart for us, Lord, to be those who hear and then go and do would be so clear. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said. I want to I start with a question, um, and, and, and that's this. How many of you at some point in your life have overpromised and underdelivered? Yeah, just a few honest people in the house. Wow, just about 50% of us. Okay, I'm in the 50%. I'm with you. I definitely in my life have overpromised and underdelivered. Now, thankfully, God's dealt with me. And so what was known as the younger years, J.D., <laughs> um, uh, looks very different than the current J.D., meaning that I really have fought and, and leaned into my yes being yes and my no being no. But there was a time in my life when, when I would talk up what I was capable of. And this really came to a head when it came uh, to riding BMX bicycles. Now, I need to take you into a little bit of my story, and, 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 and what happened was when I went to Baylor, by the way, dominated Woo! last night, you know, UT made it. Everybody just take a deep breath. But when I was a freshman at Baylor, basically all extra money I had went to go to Baylor because I was going to Baylor. And, and if that doesn't make any sense to you, then look up how much it costs to go to Baylor, and then it will make sense. All right? So now there, there, there was a part of my life where I w- was talking up a little bit to my friends my freshman year that I was like this incredible, fearless BMX bike ninja, right? Because when you're a freshman in college and, and you don't actually have the bike that you say that you do these said tricks on, it's easy for you to expand the, the capability, right, to, to overpromise what you can do on a bike. Now, then my sophomore year rolls around and I'm in the same boat. All the money I had went to Baylor. And so I'm like, I need a bike to get from living off campus to on campus because I didn't want to pay for parking on campus. And so now, look, if you haven't been to a college campus, uh, you need to understand one very critical thing, that if people are riding bicycles, they're normally mountain bikes. That's kind of the go-to bicycle choice of college students around the country. But I didn't have a mountain bike. All I had was my old, at this point, 10 to 12-year-old BMX bike that, that at this stage it was completely rusted out. It, 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 it had no brakes. It barely worked, but it was my only option. So I thought, you know what? Riding this bike around campus is only going to give me more cred to the stories that I've been telling. So I'm like, you know what? This is going to be great. So I spray painted it, made it look all shiny and new, and it looked fantastic. But just get the mental picture. You got 14,000 people riding mountain bikes and me riding a child's BMX bike (laughs) to class, okay? So I'm riding this class. Now, there was this one day in particular, this bike to class, and one day in particular, I'm late to marching band practice. Yeah, I was in marching band. Go ahead. You can judge me. You can judge me. I'm tough. Okay, we threw down the bug wub, all right? Bug wub. Baylor University, Golden Wave Band. Come on, man. Come on, Liz. Can I get an amen from this side? Now, 
I'm late, I'm late to practice, all right, which was not abnormal, truthfully. And I'm on my bike, and I'm riding. Now, I'm so late that the entire band, hundreds, hundreds of people are on the, the field that we would practice on, and they're all kind of in one big blob. This was pre-social distancing, so we're all standing close together. You remember when we used to be able to touch each other? And, like, so we're all standing close together, and the band director is, like, about to give some Look, hey, this is what we're going to work on, yada, yada, yada. And here I come on my BMX bike. And as I'm riding up, I realize this is my moment. <laughs> Everything that I've been saying, I am getting ready to demonstrate, right? Like, have you ever been in this situation where you are tempted to do something that maybe your experience is telling you you shouldn't do? And so I'm riding this bike that has not been really ridden in years. And I see across the field, there's a pile of those yard markers. You know the yard markers on the side of a football field? They're like orange. And I'm like, you know what would be so dope? Is if I ride my bike and I just straight bunny hop in front of the band over that huge pile of yard markers, man, that would be fire. That's my inner conversation. And so I stand up on the pedals, and I start giving it everything that I have, right? Now, I wasn't very good at riding a bike, but I did remember that speed is your friend. And so I am cranking on these pedals as hard as I can, and I kid you not, I wish this was on video. About 10 feet before I got to the pile of yard markers, my chain broke. I'm for real, but it didn't in there. It's like there was like catastrophic failures started happening on this bicycle at an unprecedented rate. My chain broke. When it broke, it locked up. So now my back wheel is sliding to the side. I try to compensate for it by pulling up on my handlebars. They pull out <laughs> of the frame. Y'all think I'm lying. This is a true story. This is a true story. So now I'm holding my handlebars, okay? At this point, it's just a matter of time. There's nothing I can do that's going to save this, right? So then, I mean, I'm talking about I don't just fall. I, like, flip and slide and snap and crackle and pop, right? It was so dramatic that the entire band goes from looking at the band director to looking at me. This dude who had said he was a BMX ninja in a pile of broken bicycle and pride. Now, let's be real. The bike let me down. If it wasn't for the bike, I would have made it. You know what I mean? No. Let's, I'm going to be honest with you. I would have crashed regardless of if the bike worked or not because I fought I knew more than what I actually knew. And when we think we know more than what we actually know, things have a tendency to break. And when we think we know more than we actually know, things have a tendency to break. You know, there's a question that Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew 16, verse 13. He said this, who do people say the Son of Man is? 
Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus says, but what about you? What about you? Who do you say that I am? Can I just say that there is no more important question in life than this? Who do you say that Jesus is? Because how we answer this question will affect everything, not just our eternal fate, but also the way we will navigate through the chaos that we face. And in this moment, Peter, who I love Peter, because Peter famously spoke before he thought. But this time, this is like one of the few times that Peter got it right. Peter spoke up when Jesus asked this question, who do you say that I am? And he responds in verse 16, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now listen to Jesus' reply. He says, blessed are you, son of Jonah, for this is not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you, that you, Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whether you bind it on earth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Knowing who Jesus is is the foundation that our lives will be built on. It's the foundation of what our lives will, will be built on as well as the foundation of what God has in store for our lives. It's the anchor point. It's where we land in trouble. It's our clarity when it's dark. It's how we move forward when we don't feel like we understand the way. Everything we need is found in him. Simply knowing who he is will defend us against how the enemy wants to disrupt us. He is our very present help in our time of need. He's our solution giver. He is the God who has answers in the middle of impossible situations. He's our Savior, forgiver, new day maker, and transformer. And he is love. And his love for each of us is so strong that he can't allow us to encounter him and not be changed by him. I'm telling you, knowing who we say Jesus is, is everything. We have to know who he is. We have to know who he is. Not like I knew how to do BMX tricks. We got to know him. Not, not like know about him. We need to know him. We, we need to know him, not just know the right answers that we should say about him. No, we need to know him. But have you felt the tension 
of answering the who do you say that I am question depending on who you're with. Have you felt that? There's, there's a tension there. Like when, when, you're, when you're at church or life group or you're with your friends that believe what you believe, it seems like your faith for the impossible is unshaken. Right? Like you, you know who Jesus is. You know and remember who he's been to you. Your hope for the future is bright. Your peace is big. Your fear non-existent. And then you step out of those places, and then all of a sudden, we can come face to face with the terror of uncertainty. Have you been there? Yeah. Has life hit you, and you're alone, and everything that you thought you believed, all of a sudden, you're wondering if you believe it? The tension of the who do you say that I am question dependent upon who we are with. Hear me. Our understanding of who Jesus is should be and will always be strengthened when we're around those who know him. This is why you're going to hear us say things all the time, all the time, all the time, like you need to be involved in a life group. You need to be on a serve team. Why? Because we were created to do things together in community. And we're created to lock arms with people that are like-minded and, and have a similar passion for Jesus because there is a strength that is found when we are together. It's important that we do life together. But the foundation of who we know Jesus to be should not be and cannot be dependent upon being around others that know him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It can't be dependent upon being around others that know him. Because when, when life hits you and when life throws some stuff that we didn't see coming at us, right, we encounter some real pain, some real loss, some real diagnosis, some real frustration, some real disappointments, and the chaos that was out there is now in here. And we're like feeling all this craziness. We don't know what way is up and what way is down. The temptation in those moments is to question what we thought we believed. But our help in those storms is and will always be Jesus. Therefore, our hope in those storms, this one's for you, Ray, our hope in those storms will always be Jesus. We have to know who he is. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our life. And that's why Jesus is our message. That's right. The very beginning of our declaration of intent, our manifesto, loud and proud, it says that it's Jesus that is our message. Because he is our everything. And that does not change in the face of the messages of culture or... It's about to get real. Everybody take a deep breath. Okay? Or in the politically charged environment of an election year. That does not change. Jesus is the lens that we see the issues of the day through. 
we do not look through the issues of the day to try to find Jesus. Right? Jesus is the lens we look through the issues of the day through. We're not looking through the issues trying to find Jesus. The foundation of how we approach the complexity of all that we're facing today, as simple as it sounds, is Jesus. It's Jesus. Colossians 1.15 says this. The Son, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all, everybody say all. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body. Oh, come on. The church, he's the beginning, the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy in everything. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus is our message. Jesus is our message. The ideology of your chosen political tribe is not. Can I say that again? I'm stepping on some toes. I'm okay with it. Jesus is our message. The ideology of our political tribe is not. We need to understand that because we, we being the church, for the most part, have allowed our current political parties in our country to frame the issues that we're facing today and not the church being the leading voice in how we need to frame these issues today in our nation to speak in general terms, we have allowed the parties to split kingdom issues. Meaning if you stand for life, morality, sexual order, in our current structure, that means that you do not stand for the poor and the least of these. The issues that we carry and care about as followers of Jesus have been split. They've been divided. So we should be, I want you to write this down. We should be lukewarm partisans, not lukewarm Christians in the political conversation of the day. We should be lukewarm partisans, not lukewarm Christians in the political conversations of the day. If you preach your political ideology with more boldness than you preach the gospel, check yourself. Check yourself. 
If you feel more emboldened to shout out what you stand on politically than you do to shout out your message that should be Jesus and Jesus alone, there might be something off. Because our message is Jesus. Our message is not a political ideology. So we need to stop defending political parties and start defending the gospel. Are you hearing me? Neither party has it right. Neither party has it right. As the church, the way that we should be standing up for the lives of the unborn, the way that we should be standing up for the truth of the power and the moral standards of the kingdom of heaven should be led with compassion and clarity as well as an unwillingness to be silent as our society has hundreds of thousands of people that feel unseen and unheard. We should be leading and shining and being a beacon of hope. We should not be molding into these two options that have divided our story. We got to take it back. We got to take it back. As followers of Jesus, we need to be standing up and standing out right now, showing the new way, the kingdom way, because the kingdom platform does not line up perfectly to either party's platform. And some of you are like, well, what are we supposed to do? (laughs) Because we are where we are. We have what we have. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to engage? I would say that we have to look through the lens of Jesus as we are making these important decisions of who will lead our nation, our state, and our city on multiple levels as we look to the election in November. We need to lean into Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Our allegiance is to him and where he is leading us, not to the party that we have voted with. It means that all of us need to spend real time leaning into the heart of God, leaning into what is at stake, leaning into and pressing into the heart of God through prayer like crazy and asking God to lead us because we want God to lead us, not a political party to lead us. Isaiah 9 verse 6 is usually a scripture that preachers pull out at Christmas. It's it's a Christmas scripture, but I got to be honest with you. It's actually a fantastic election year scripture. Because it says this, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government. And the government. And the government will be on his shoulders. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're not out of control. God's in control. Are you hearing me? The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. 
It's on us to join with him. Jesus is our message. He's the one who's in control. He's the lens that we look through the issues of the day. He's the lens that we look through when we're praying through who do we need to put our support behind for president. He's the one that we declare. We don't declare political ideology. We declare a kingdom ideology. You know, for me, this has gotten so real. Because every four years, there's this unspoken pressure where pastors across the nation have to turn into policy experts for a couple of weeks with the heart of shepherding our churches in these very complex times. And I would just say that, that I stand in front of you today saying, I'm not a policy expert. I'm a pastor. So if you have a question about a policy, get with Jesus and read about it. Can, can I push that on you? Because our commitment to you as a church is that Jesus will be the banner that we wave. Jesus will be the banner that we wave. Jesus is our message. Regardless of what is cool to be our message, Jesus is our message. In its simplicity and in its purity, he is our help. He is our ever-present help in time of need. He's our clarity in the storm. He's our rock when everything's shaken because we want to build our house on a foundation that doesn't matter the storm that's raging around us. It doesn't matter what's blowing against us. We will be unshaken if we are built on the rock of our salvation that is Jesus and Jesus alone. But if we try to build our house on what culture says is right, when the wind blows, you're going to be homeless. And the wind's going to blow, church. Can I say it? The wind in the next couple of weeks are going to blow. The chaos is going to get real. Our foundation has to be clear. Our foundation has to be clear. And because when Jesus shows up, it's not going to look like a Democratic-run city. It's not going to look like a Republican-run city. It's going to look like a city in revival. Can you stand to your feet with me? I want to end with this because when Jesus started his ministry on the earth, he stood in a church and he read Isaiah 61. And when he read it, he made a bold declaration. This is who I am. These words have been fulfilled in your hearing. This is a new kingdom. And this is, this is what Jesus said. You ready to hear your party's platform? You hear what I'm saying? You ready to hear your party's platform? This is it. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted 
to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair, because they will be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, and they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated, and they will renew ruined cities that have devastated for generations and generations because Jesus is our message. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus is our message. Him and Him alone. He's the rock of our salvation. He's the hope in the turmoil. He's the peace in the middle of the storm. And this is what I want us to do. I want us to stir up our heart by declaring that Jesus is the Lord over your life. So right now, if we could kill the lights, because everybody gets nervous if you feel like you're going to be looked at. Don't worry about it. Everybody's just thinking about themselves, all right? I want you to start declaring who Jesus is out loud, out loud. Begin to tell him right now, Jesus, you're our king. Jesus, you are in control. Jesus, you are our hope. Jesus, you are our life. Right now, stir it up within you. Stir it up within you. Come on, church. Begin to declare that you're thankful for him. You're 